Oh, wow. Hey, can we get a big round of applause for the for the theme song this week? Every performed live, if you didn't know. Every week I have a an African drumming circle in my in my bedroom. I was gonna say studio. This is not a studio kind of show. In my bedroom, uh, playing the drums beautifully for your entertainment for the for the dozens of you listening at home. So uh, thanks for that. Can we please get a round of applause? I assume you've been clapping the whole time since I asked the first time, so Thanks for that. Uh, anyway, welcome back to Man Eaters, the only true crime podcast on the internet where all the killers are real animals. I'm your host, James, and before we jump into the story today, just a little bit of housekeeping, a little interesting uh, factoid I wanted to drop on you. I, uh, I went looking through my analytics of the podcast, as all as all good growing podcast boys should do. I was looking at my analytics, uh, and I made an interesting discovery the other day. Did you know that this uh, show is now officially listened to uh, by Americans more than Australians? When I started out, it was obviously just, I guess, people who knew me who were like, what, what's this fucking dickhead doing now? I better look at it to make sure. Let's see if he did something to get cancelled. I think that was kind of the main impetus for a lot of people to be listening to the show. But now, um, it's it's taken off slightly. I don't want to get ahead of myself. It's it's not a hit yet. Um, but very interestingly, yeah, America, you seem to like it. I think it might be that whole true crime thing. You guys are pretty into that. It's a little morbid, but yeah. Uh, California, I'm looking through California. Texas, North Carolina, weirdly enough, uh, all, all big fans, so thank you for listening, Australians, uh, sorry, you're second place now, so for the rest of the, uh, the run of the show, or until Australians, uh, get back up there, or, or any other country, uh, I'm gonna be hosting the show like this from now on, uh, the burp was unrelated, I just needed a burp, um, Hello, welcome back to Maneaters. My name is Jimothy Chapman, and uh, yeah, it's the only true crime podcast on the internet, hosted by me. That's not the introduction. Uh, eh, mm, I can't keep that up. Much like an erection, <laughs> I can't keep it up. Uh, guys, <laughs> thank you for joining me. Uh, we're, we're going back to India again. Last week we talked about the sloth bear of Mysore. Uh, which, which killed, uh, I think, oh god, I can't remember how many people it was, I have to go back and listen, lots of people, uh, today we're tackling an animal that has a kill count far surpass, far surpassing the sloth bear of Mysore, in fact, surpassing every single animal that we've had on this podcast, except for the very first one, um, we're talking, of course, about the leopard of Pinar, uh, dedicated silver medal, uh, in the annals of <laughs> animal serial killer history, the Pinar man well, I'll get into it later, but the Pinar man-eater has killed, confirmed killed, more people than every other animal in history, except for the Chumpwat tiger. So, uh, it, it, very interesting story, um, you know, a few similarities to the first uh, episode, Jim Corbett, who we talked about, makes an appearance again. I think we might have to, you know, look into a few other of his tiger and leopard uh, victories, and maybe we'll do like a, a Jim Corbett best of episode one day, uh, talking a little bit about more about him, because I'm not going to go into Jim Corbett too much in the actual story. Um, so maybe that's something we can do in the future. So, uh, yes, <laughs> what was that? That was weird. Anyway, let's jump into it. This is the Leopard of Pinar. 
The leopard of Pinar, or the Pinar man-eater, was a male leopard that lived in northern India. Following an outbreak of cholera, the big cat began consuming human flesh from the many diseased corpses scattered throughout the forests. When the cholera epidemic ended and the corpses stopped, he began hunting live humans. The Leopard of Pinar killed more than 400 people in the early 20th century and is one of the most prolific serial killer big cats in recorded history, second only to the great tigress Champawat, which lived in the area around the same time. Jim Corbett, who we have covered before in episode 1, wrote this. A leopard, in an area in which his natural food is scarce, finding these bodies very soon acquires a taste for human flesh. And when the disease dies down and normal conditions are established, he very naturally, on finding his food supply cut off, takes to killing human beings. For many years, the villagers tried to hunt and trap the demon cat, but to no avail. Pinar's man-eating leopard could recognize traps and was a master of camouflage and stealth. He was rarely seen until he struck, and sometimes dragged people away from their homes directly in front of their loved ones. Jim Corbett was a famous big cat hunter. He first heard of the man-eating Pinar leopard while hunting the tigress Champawat. Two years after he heard this, he was in Pinar in search of the leopard. Corbett travelled to the area and began to track the large male leopard. Visitors took him to the house of a distressed man whose wife had been attacked the night before. The two spent the night with a leopard at the door. It was trying to force its way in to finish the kill. Of this attack, Jim Corbett wrote the following. The man's wife, a girl of about 18, was lying on her back when the leopard clamped its teeth into her throat. And when the man got a grip of her arm and started to pull her back, the leopard, to get a better purchase, drove the claws of one paw into her breast. In the final struggle, the claws ripped through the flesh, making four deep cuts. In the heat of a small room, which had only one door and no windows, and in which a swarm of flies were buzzing all around the wounds in the girl's throat and on her breast, it had turned septic, and whether medical aid could be procured or not, the chances of her surviving were very slight. So instead of going for help, I decided to stay the night with the man. I very much sincerely hope that no one who reads this story will ever be condemned to seeing or hearing the sufferings of a human being or of any animal that has had the misfortune of being caught by the throat by either a leopard or a tiger and not having the means, other than a bullet, of alleviating the suffering. Leopards usually attack the neck or back of their prey. A leopard's bite can injure or even destroy jugular veins and carotid, or and carotid arteries causing rapid blood loss. The spine is commonly crushed and the skull may also be punctured, exposing the brain. Attack survivors usually suffer significant trauma to the head, neck and face. Leopards also like to hold their prey in trees and return to the corpse over time. As a result, leopards have a lot of bacteria in their mouths. Before the discovery of antibiotics, 70% of survivors would have died from this infection. Corbett made his first attempt to kill the Pinar man-eater in April of 1910, when he remained awake all night listening to the painful breath of the dying girl. The only sign of a roaming leopard was the alarm cry of jackals in the area. His second attempt did not take place until September of 1910. Corbett travelled 30 miles through the rainforest to remote villages plagued by leprosy, connected only by trails. There he came to know about the recent attacks on a village across the river. By walking up the hills, crossing a raging river without bridges, and sleeping in the open field in the leopard's territory, Corbett reached the village. 
The most recent attacks took place here. Four people were killed. To woo Pinar's leopard, Corbett put two goats on a stake and lay in wait. The big cat took the first goat and disappeared. Then, then three days later, Corbett tied the second goat to a tree about a hundred feet away and waited all day and all night. When the leopard finally appeared, the only sign that it made was the sound of killing its prey and a small patch of white goat's fur. Using his sense of hearing alone, he fired his shotgun and wounded the big cat, but it ran away. Corbett then found a group of men and asked them to stand behind him with lit torches. He made every man promise to him that they would not run, so he would have enough torchlight to aim at the injured cat. They walked across the field and started brushing the other side. There, suddenly, the great man-eater came out of the brushwood and hissed at the famous hunter. Everyone turned and immediately ran away, but luckily, one of them dropped their torch in the middle of the air, giving Corbett enough time and light to shoot the leopard in the chest ending its reign of terror. And that, of course, was the Leopard of Pinar. Uh, a, a slightly shorter story than we might be used to. I did uh, cut a little bit out because it wasn't too interesting. A lot of these killings were very similar, uh, so I sort of <laughs> went down to the highlights. Uh, but yeah, you you will notice a lot of similarities between this episode and, and the first episode, the Chompa White Tiger. Um, really fascinating uh like the big cats the the numbers are staggering and i think it's probably like out out it's a privilege of being alive in the modern world in the 2020s uh to look back 100 years or 110 years for this uh instance um but you know the idea that a big cat could live in your village in your area and have killed 400 people and the only hope that you have is to write to some British guy to hopefully come in with a rifle and shoot him. Um, it's bizarre. It's very, it's very interesting. Can you imagine if you, like today, like in, just in your backyard, there might be an animal and it may have killed over 400 people. That's it's insane. Uh, I, I really do think we have to cover Jim Corbett at, at a different time. There is uh, another leopard that he killed, which I think had around 200 kills. But the story. Uh, the, the information is a lot more dense. I'm not really sure. I just it gripped headlines a little bit more, even though the kill count of the animal was, I think, half of what the Panar Maneater was. Uh, for some reason, there's a lot more information on it, and it seems to be uh, a slightly more interesting story. So we might cover that um, within the next 10 or 20 episodes. And after that, I think it probably would be a good idea to do a little uh, Jim Corbett episode, and maybe we can place in those stories and uh, hear them back to back to back and that might be our first sort of i don't know what you'd call it big episode hour long episode <laughs> I, don't, I don't know uh yep so thank you for joining me uh, once again uh, thank you to all the americans <laughs> listening uh as well as everybody else uh, it's it's uh, been a good time recording these uh yeah what else do i need to say new instagram go join the instagram follow that because i do ask questions and i do a pop quiz oh yes the pop quiz, that's what I wanted to talk about. I asked four questions related to the previous four episodes of the podcast. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm pleased to announce that most of you did very well. I think uh, the, the average score was about 80% for each question. Um, and I didn't make them 
easy. Like, you know how sometimes in a multiple choice quiz, they'll give you the correct answer and then two answers that are kind of correct and then one answer that's like stupid. I gave like four very plausible answers for all of them. Um, so you answered very well, which makes me think that you're either listening to the podcast very dutifully or you just Googled it. Uh, and if it's the second thing, I, I'm not going to judge you for that. I respect that. That's a good hustle. You don't get anything out of it. You don't get anything out of it at all. It's an Instagram quiz. I don't even know your name. You matter so little to me. Ah, oh, crap. I read a book about like, like podcasting for dummies. And like literally the first thing I said was, do not say to your audience, you mean nothing to me. You suck and I hate you. That was like the opening chapter. Shit. Ah, uh, I'm not very good at this. Oh well. But I can't stop. I paid $4,000 for the microphone. I think maybe I was ripped off. I bought it from a guy in a van. Like a pickup truck kind of deal. Yeah. I don't know why he was driving around with just a microphone. He said it was $4,000 and I paid for it. And here we are. Huh. <sighs> well, that's the end of the episode. Uh, I, I don't have anything else to say. Leopard of Pinar. What a beast. Jim Corbett. What a dilf. What a daddy. I want to I wanna look at his... Jim Corbussy. Oh, fuck me. What? I really hope no children listen to this. I really do. This is just... <laughs> what is this? I... Ah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Join me next week. Uh, please follow on Spotify. Subscribe. Do all the bullshit. You know, it really does help me out. Uh, keep listening. Go back and listen to all the episodes. Do that. That'll be fun. Uh, I promise. Tell me what your favorite one is. Do the Instagram shit. That'll do it. Uh, my name's James. I think I said that at the beginning. Fuck, I don't know. Have a great night, everybody. Or a day. I don't know where you are or who you are or what you want from me. Good night. Goodbye. Ah. Oh. Play the drummers that have been here the whole time. Play the drumming noises. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. All right, good. Ha <laughs> ha.